Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode's topic, the story beats. Diving deep dive into story beats, act one. I'm Russ Capasso and joining me as always is Tim Letney. Tim, how are you and how do you feel about your story beats? I feel pretty good now. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel great before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely had to like retrofit some of the beats in yeah. after the fact. I think once again, I talk about this all the time, but when I jumped in, at least to my first act, I hadn't planned enough. Yeah. I just didn't plan enough. So luckily, like having read a lot of books and watched a lot of movies, I feel like the beats themselves kind of come out naturally mm-hmm. a little bit. Some of them, yep. but some of them, some of them don't. Some I was completely unaware about. So, um, you know, we had released our first podcast on the story beats and uh, we'd gotten a lot of feedback uh, that folks had found that very useful. So mm-hmm. it seemed like going in a little deeper and maybe a little slower because trying to cram through 15 beats in, in one cast is, is kind of a lot. So yeah, I think it'd be good for us to take like a deep dive and a hard look at each of the beats, maybe break this up into a few episodes. And when we say uh, story beats, we're specifically referring to the Save the Cat methodology, I guess, right? Um, there's a lot of uh, different uh, structures and methods out there. There's the Freytag's Pyramid. There's snowflake method which is more process oriented there's obviously the hero's journey joseph campbell um and save the cat those are kind of like the popular ones there's a bunch of other ones i know what dan harman has got his own circle of pyramids of life or whatever um <laughs> i mean at the end of the day like I, I looking at all these and i've read all the books on these and you, you're constantly reading about all the plots and structures i got another book right here just called plot and structure and i'm flipping through that i'm like at the end of the day a lot of them cover the same moments of breaking down a story into like some type of structure and a lot they of them just use, call them something different. Yeah. Like, you know, in some one book would be like, they call it inciting an incident and another one, they call it the catalyst, you know, um, one will be called the refusal of the call versus the debate, you know? So, um, a lot of them touch on the same thing, just using different words, try to make it their own. But at the end of the day, there's, there's some key things that most stories will hit and you'll find it once you start kind of paying it a little bit of attention to it. And it kind of almost, it's a little bit, uh, you know, how the sausage is made. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. at this point I get a little distracted when I'm like watching a movie and I'm like, oh, and saying, like, oh, the debate, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. It's like, I can't help now that I see them that every time it rains, you know, during yeah. the, um, <laughs> all is lost. I'm like, oh, it's raining. <laughs> it's oh, raining. There's thunder. <laughs> all is lost is coming, like, which is good and bad, you know, for a moment. Like I will say that once you see them and it's kind of like, you know, the matrix for a second, it kind of can take you out of the world and it ruins the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. But in the same respect, it's really interesting to see the choices that that the screenwriters and that the authors are making because sometimes they're super surprising yeah. um, and other times they're not. <laughs> <laughs> really disappointing. They're a little, little telegraph. So we're going to um, dive into kind of, I guess, the act one. Um, yeah, of... I think we should say that like when we refer to these beats, right, it's um, inside of your kind of, I won't say pop, but your like classic three act structure when it comes yes. to storytelling. And we know that there are other novels and, and you know, other, you know, methodologies of like filmmaking and storytelling that don't fit into the structure. Mm-hmm. But far and away, if you're writing genre fiction i mean honestly even literary fiction will have these beats they're a little more opaque at least for me sometimes they're harder to kind of pick out yeah but they're usually there yeah i mean if you look at uh like freytag's pyramid like there's you know five uh steps or it's kind of broken into like i guess like a five act structure in a way but like the first step is exposition which basically covers everything we're going to talk about right now that's coming from like save the cat um 
Hero's Journey, same thing. Like that's definitely broken into three very clear acts structure. There's departure, initiation, and return. Departure is certainly the act one ends in like, you know, the, the hero deciding and basically with the catalyst inciting incident, if they're going to go or the debate, seeing if they're going to go on with their, with their journey. So I'll tell you, man, if you want to see it really easy, like if you want to see a really simple example of these beats at work, watch like a Disney princess movie, like watch yeah. like Moana or yeah. something. And it is like, it really spells it out. Yes. Um, I mean, hell, Star Wars, <laughs> the first. Uh, totally. Like, yeah. that is the hero's journey. All the beats are right there. Like, it's just so obvious uh, how, they, how they're placed out. So, And that's why they're satisfying. You know, there's expectation and then there's subverting expectations. Looking at you, The Last Jedi. We're not, we're not getting distracted already. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Star Wars don't, for 30 don't, minutes. <laughs> don't distract me already. All right, so act one, um, the story beat. So like I said, we're going to we're gonna mostly focus on Save the Cat. So before we actually get into it, what kind of brought you, what got you into using the Save the Cat? I know you and I both read this book and we both kind of drawn to it. Was there anything in particular about it that you liked versus like all these other structures? So it was in my periphery already because my wife's a screenwriter. So she had had the iteration for screenwriters. Right. Um, you Which know. isn't much different, by the way. It's There's a couple more things for the novel. Like I think they break out a, a couple extra beats, but it's not much different. Yeah. So. so, I mean, I was really just kind of Googling around in the beginning. I was like, hey, I've written, <laughs> I, I guess, act one of a book. I should make sure that I know there's a structure, right? Like I yeah. know it's there inherently, but I didn't know the different beats. I didn't know where they were. So, so I started looking at books um, and resources and the Save the Cat one kept coming up. And not only did it keep coming up, but on blogs, a lot of people were just kind of reiterating or spelling, almost explaining the book, really. It's like, here's a synthesized version of this. So I figured it might as well just go to the source and read through it. Um, it was super appealing. It really, much like Stephen King's on writing, it's very accessible. It wasn't intimidating. Yep. And it breaks it up into like really digestible chunks with examples through fiction yep. um, for each beat. So I found that really, really useful. There was, I mean, not to go on a tangent, but there was some that I had a hard time with, like mm -hmm. some of the beats. But oh, yeah. as far as just um, identifying a, a writer's resource that was easy enough to me for me to digest while writing. And I think yep. that was, I mean, you, we talked about it during, uh, during the process because I was a little conflicted. I was like, Russ, I'm reading this book, but I'm also writing. What do I do? And you were like, just keep writing. <laughs> just keep writing. Just keep writing. <laughs> and I, like I said, I hit most of the beats, but I did have to go ahead and, and retrofit some other ones that I, that I'd completely missed. And it's not that hard to do it, but hindsight 2020, I wish I had read the book in full first, taken notes on it, you know, did right. a little more of a concrete outline with these beats in mind, as opposed to just my own mental character journey in mind. And it would have saved me probably a rewrite or at yeah. least a draft or two because I'm on draft six now my beats are in place I think my one of the things is like with each of these beats they all have a rough percentage of like yep. how far along in the book you should be or maybe how much of the book these beats take up and I think some of mine were inflated like mm -hmm. some were longer my act one initially was like huge like way too big for an act one it, it was like the size of an act two yeah. So um just I wish I had had, you know, two bearded men telling me <laughs> inspirational their inspirational, inspirational voices coming through my ears. 
and being like, how about oh, you? Uh, what, what, what pushed you towards it? I mean, cause you read a bunch, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'd like honestly only gone to this one. I, there's, I, there's, I think I read them all. Um, there's so many different books, like story, Robert McKee, there's uh, diving into story by Truby, whatever. They all kind of talk about the same thing. I got through all of them, but, um, yeah, I landed on save the cat cause I, I, uh, like Jill, I had read the, you know, save the cat writes a screenplay first. Um, and I really liked it. And I was like, oh, I, this, it's like you said, it's not intimidating. And I like that it was very approachable. And it also, in my brain, helped me visualize a little bit more structure. Because I did the same thing you did, where I retrofitted all these beats afterwards. Um, I had some that were in pretty good shape, but then I'm, I end up having to move a lot of scenes around and make things, you know, make a little more sense, um, which was really helpful. I mean, it was also helpful because I moved to having three uh, POVs for my for host. And I ended up writing out the story beats for at least two of those three characters. The third one was, he's got a couple scenes. It wasn't enough to like go through the whole process. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did for like two really important characters kind of moving through the story. And that was really helpful, Um, super helpful. And I think it helped with like pacing and it made the story a little bit tighter and, you know, kind of kept that action moving along. So again, I think it was just easily digestible and the way it walks through what the beats are and gives you examples, I think was really helpful. Or a lot of these other ones, they give you examples, but it doesn't feel like it's a co- cohesive, like, and moving from one step to the next step. It's like, they'll take one example from one novel or one movie. And then for the next beat, they talk about another one. I'm like, well, that's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Walk me through What I appreciated example. about Save the Cat was that it was very character focused, meaning that they yeah. teed it up as that these beats are the character transformation machine. Like, yes. yep. and we all want a satisfying journey for the main character. We want them to make logical choices through that, but you know, we kind of want to bring them in my brain. I picture this kind of like mechanized ringer. It's like we are running the main character through kind of this hell, this torment in a way to make sure they come out the other end, a better version of themselves. And for me, that was super appealing because it was like, okay, this will make sure that I have a nice character arc, a nice character journey. And that, you know, you're torturing your darlings while, you know, making them the very best version of themselves. And that was super appealing. Yeah. And I'd say like, there is a little bit of, you know, pre-work to this, I think. And I think if you listen to like our character motivations and building characters episodes, kind of starting there, and then you can get into this because even in the book itself, it it talks about creating flaws, your needs, your wants for your characters. And then you can use this because it's more structure for like how the story is going to play out and kind of combining like that character's arc, like you said, into into the plot as you're moving through. So I think that's why this, I like this, this, uh, this structure a little bit more. And I mentioned this multiple times of the, you know, for host, I use the snowflake method, which was looking at back at it. I really liked, but it's more process oriented, um, and, and helping you move along to kind of almost create a schedule for yourself to, to get to the next piece. I'll tell you, that was so overwhelming for me. I appreciated it yeah. in the beginning, the kind of like, character descriptions, the motivations, the summaries, like it helped me get my head around the story. But once I got into, it just felt like a lot of structure too much. Yeah. And like a lot of prep work. I was like, when the heck do I start writing? When does this happen? Yeah, no, I agree. And at this point now I've taken the things I like out of that process and I'm mashing together with this one. So I kind of have the two mixed together. So I think at the end of the day, like there's tons of books, read them all and find the ones that you fit work for you. This may not work for everyone, but 
Yeah, it works for me. You no, know, it's so. weird. I mean, I say accessible, save the cat, it, even the cover, it just seems so simplistic and <laughs> yeah. what it was appealing. Whereas something like Robert McKee's story, I feel like I, I need to say that in a British accent. Yeah. <laughs> like it yeah. sounds like very <laughs> haughty, like Robert McKee's yeah. story. Uh, all right. So do we want to dive into the, the first act here? Yeah, let's do it. Right, act so, one. Act, act one, page two. Um, so this is... <laughs> So it, it, for the save the cat purposes, and like I said, th this kind of aligns with all the other methodologies you'll find out there. But they have like basically five beats in this in the first act, right? And overall, like the structure they kind of give you is like twenty percent for their first act, sixty percent is your second act, which is going to be a beast, and then another twenty percent, I think, to to kind of round out the third act is kind of how it's broken out. So yep. it moves, and I've definitely felt like, oh man, my first act is only two pages. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Oh, geez. What do I do now? I'll tell you, man, when I structured mine, I mean, luckily I restructured, but my first go round, I mean, you saw it. My act yeah. one was probably 60% of the book. <laughs> I remember you telling me the, the word count. I was like, I think you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I know I shouldn't say this, but I think you're doing it wrong. And whereas I was the opposite in the, the spectrum, where I was like, I think my my opening act here is, I think I just got to everything in like two pages. Like, mm, shit, yeah. I need to kind of build this up a little bit more. But so yeah, so the, the the five major beats in like the first act are like opening image. I'm just gonna call them out, and we'll we'll kind of dive into them. But it's a uh, opening image, theme stated, setup, catalyst, and debate. Yeah, opening image. I mean, that's basically just kind of that, that opening thing. It's just right there. <laughs> it's what it is. Every book, every movie, it's like a day in the life. But it is very much momentary it's very short yeah it's like you you, you want to show your character your main in their typical day their typical atmosphere you know their typical surroundings but it's super brief yeah and i'm just kind of interesting because my uh, i'm happy to to do some comparison to like to to host because uh, there won't be any spoilers here but um my opening image actually is kind of a it's kind of prologue kind of it's like a kind of a shot of I think later on where I feel like the the next chapter where I get into um, my main character's life and kind of his normal world is more set up. Really? So yeah. I always feel that's like how I, I, that's how I flagged it because I was like opening image because like the opening image I think does a couple things. It, it, it does a few things too is it kind of sets the tone for like what the story is, right? Yeah. But if and you're I, looking at it from this, I love that we're arguing already. Yeah, yeah, one. Well, no, this Russ is great. And Tim argue. Well, no, well, it's good because like I'm curious if we're looking, if we're taking like a character focused perspective of this, the opening image in my brain mm. is where you show the character before their change, right? It's like the very intro, like the first introduction to who they are, what they're about, what their surroundings are. And yeah. then hopefully by the end, all, at the end of all the beats, maybe you go back to this opening image or some kind of similar mm. place, but the character themselves is completely changed. Like they wouldn't fit in this opening image anymore by the time you get to the end of the 15th beat they're completely they'd be out of place so then i'm like already playing a little backwards and a little bit because then my i guess my opening image and technically would be chapter two where i go right into elliot's normal life that's and why I, would, I think your chapter one is a prologue in my head because you I, like it's it like a cold is. open like you set the stakes it's awesome yeah but also it came in a little later right like draft three ish yeah draft four Cause, yeah because like originally it was starting out with opening it started out basically with the opening image of, of elliot's normal life and i was like this is kind of boring so um i wanted to set the stage of like giving him like a, that promise and and you know what is this going to be for the reader so i grabbed like a scene that happens in probably late act two uh going to act three almost and i pulled that scene up to like the opening and kind of did like a, Oh, two weeks earlier type of type of move. So 
Yeah, I, I guess the really, I guess my opening image then is is chapter two, which would be Elliot's normal life when he's up in the cabin cleaning out stuff, because that mirrors the final image of him going back and uh, in kind of closing, yeah, I think getting so, that closure. It's, it's, it's protagonist based and it's them with their flaws and all before they've become the better version of themselves. Agreed. And I'd say there's another thing I think about this structure, which I, I think we need to be cautious about because like, yeah, there is, they give you even, they even break down the percentage of when these moments should show up, but it's, there's yeah. a range. So it's like, yeah, the opening image is zero to 1% of the book, right? That's the first couple well, what of what the heck? 0%. And it's like, it's maybe they mean it's a first. 0.1%. Yeah. 0.1%. Um, if it's 0%, it doesn't happen. Theme stated is like, you know, within the first 5%, uh, setup yep. is, is 1% to 10%. So like, these can these moments don't have to happen in order they can happen within you know just early on i think that's i think that's a thing important thing to call out so moving to b2 this is one that i had to retrofit because i did not have theme stated yeah (laughs) and i was like how do i get this in there and also i was like what the hell's the theme (laughs) yeah i had this problem too um yeah. And I think mine, I capture that in still in that second and third, or that second chapter is two separate scenes. At least it, and when I had broken out my, like my, my handy dandy spreadsheet here and I tagged like where I thought some of these things were happening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that all happens in chapter two for, for mine. So I have opening image and the theme stated, I think mostly in that second chapter, you know, what is the, the theme stated is basically kind of a statement made by the character, typically not the hero hints at what the, the hero's arc is going to be. Yeah. And it's kind of the underlying, hopefully you're not just being like, you need to trust people, you know, but it's, <laughs> it, you know, there's, there's some, I, I think that's okay. I mean, if that's yeah. the theme, um, I think yeah. one important thing when you're talking about theme stated, not only is it stated by a support character, but it is not listened to by the protagonist. Yes. They hear the theme and they and they don't acknowledge or they don't internalize or they dismiss the theme because they are not ready to hear it. Yep. But the audience is ready to hear it. And you'll notice it like all the time in like teen movies or cartoons it's off it's like often like uh like it's into the spider verse you know they'll use the the parents will say something i do the same thing like i have like the dad say something and my main character just kind of like rolls her eyes into the back of her head um yeah because she can't hear it you know she's not ready to listen to that it just sounds like all that white noise and chatter that people say to you during that time so then uh, what's next? The setup, right? Setup, which really feels like kind of like a sister beat to the opening image. I it's was just like the say opening that. image, but kind of drawn out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and they can probably double, I guess. I mean, you you could probably condense these three beats into a scene or two. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I guess the setup, it's usually multiple scenes. But I will say that it probably begins during the opening image. Really, I mean, opening image yep. itself is part setup. Absolutely, and this is like not just an opening image, but it's an opening situation. So it's the life of your protagonist. You get to see the flaws and see how they're interacting with their world currently. Um, you'll meet supporting characters, and then you'll come across what the protagonist thinks is going to make them happy. <laughs> their initial goals. Um, they don't. Once again, they haven't gone through this character transformation machine, so their goals and their wants are broken, and they're not what they need to make them happy, but they need to have them during this point. 
Yeah, definitely. It, that, that can all be done pretty quickly. And it should be, I think. I mean, you know, to keep the story moving along, right? Like you want to get a quick glimpse, not spend maybe too much time in there. But I love your setup, man. I like thinking about your main character. And yeah. I don't think it's a spoiler because it's early on. Yeah. But what are they doing, right? They're like packing up their father's things, right? Yes. It's like s- covering it up, storing it away, hiding it away, because he thinks that he needs to move on, right? To not look at the dad's work and not look at his life. But what he really needs to do is dive in. He doesn't know that yet. He's doing the wrong. He's making the wrong decision. Yep. You know, I always thought that was cool. Thank you. I thought you handled that well. Thanks. Yeah. And then he kind of almost in a weird way absorbs the flaw his father had of like this obsession and which, you know, I don't get into how that played out against the family. I do a little bit, but you know, that kind of takes you away when you have this obsession over something and it kind of pulled him out of his own normal life and in, in kind of some, some shape or form. So well, what's your catalyst? I guess not going in too, too deeply, but like your catalyst is what? Well, I'm thinking about it in my head because in a way like your chapter one isn't really a catalyst, but it sets the stakes. Yeah. So chapter one is just setting the stakes, tone of the book. Chapter two gets into Elliot's, my main character's setup technically his opening image, his normal normal life and theme stated in there. And it's not until chapter six when I bounce back to him because I go to two other characters between then. Uh, chapter six, I think, is really where his catalyst comes along, where he's taken some of the stuff, he's found some of his father's notes, and he comes home, you know, sets up some of the equipment, and then he hears the thing that his father had heard. He hears, he hears the signal. Um, and I think that's kind of like, that's his catalyst catalyst to, okay. to then move on to be like, all right, what is this? So this thing was real. And there's a little bit of a debate in there too. I, I kind of broke it up. It's one chapter, but I have it in two separate scenes. I kind of mashed this together where the first scene is Elliot bringing stuff back, setting it up and then hearing the signal, using his father's notes to find what he was hearing. And he finds it. Um, that kind of gives the intrigue. And then the next scene is a uh, support character comes by his friend, Jake gives him some information about the stuff his father was, was digging into. Okay. Then it actually leads into, I'm trying to remember all these chapters. I haven't read in a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like looking at my scene breakdown here. I was like, Jesus, this is so long ago. Um, that then he gets a call from his editor and that's yep. really the catalyst because the editor is like, Hey, did you check out this thing? Blah, blah, blah. There was this hack and you know, come that happened at this this um, uh, telescope, this observatory. So the call and the hack, right? I mean, because uh, we're taking a yeah. step back. We're thinking broadly, the catalyst should be something that happens. Yep. You know, some kind of like event that changes the life of the protagonist. And even if they may want to go back to their setup or their opening image, they can't. Yep. Their world has changed. This they is... can't step back into that world yeah, because it's, everything's time. different now. Yep. And it needs to be some it needs to be so substantial that there's no way to turn back. Like they are pretty much on a conveyor belt moving forward. They may groan and not want to go on that conveyor belt, but that's where they're going. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I have my character grown a ton and really want to go back to the opening image and the setup. And that that's the kind of pull that I have, that kind of teenage pull. Um, I will say that the catalyst is where my act ballooned. It mm. completely ballooned. And not just because it was a catalyst for my single character, but I had a, so my catalyst broadly is like an outbreak event in, yep. in this kind of picture in this book, which is fine and good. But if I've got, you know, one main, but, you know, two other really strong support characters, I have them go through the outbreak event. And for a while I had it as cascading chapters where it was like the main had a catalyst and then the other two had a catalyst 
And I had all, but not only did they have a catalyst, they had a setup, you know? So like it just elongated it. Um, I restructured it to move that stuff into act two to make the first act really just the protagonist, um, the center of that story. But I guess it's a word of warning. Um, it, it can be tricky. I mean, it was tricky for me. I'm still kind of struggling with it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think looking now, remembering this chapter, um, yeah, it's one chapter I have that he goes through catalysts to debate. It's kind of debatable. Um, now I'm like thinking about how, how I think it the doesn't have. It's debatable. Yeah. I don't think. It's a very meta debate. <laughs> debate is debatable. Debate um, being the next beat. I'm actually looking at it now, looking at these scenes and like thinking about it. And I had tagged this one chapter, chapter six in particular. Like, like I said, he brings his equipment home. He hears the signal. So it kind of like pulls that intrigue in from what his father had found. Right. Friend convokes, you know, supporting character comes over, um, kind of points out the obsession. Uh, that, you know, almost a bit of theme stated here again, that his father had that Elliot might be, you know, starting to take into. And then I think the real catalyst actually is when he gets the call from his editor being like, hey, did you check out those, that information I sent you, which I set up in like the, you know, the first chapter there. And Elliot's like, no. And he's like, you should take a look at it. And he starts talking about the observatory that gets closed down by the FBI because there was some hack that happened there. Uh, and then Elliot has like a kind of a light bulb moment where he goes back through his father's notes and he sees that his father had had tracked the signal or, or something back to one of the observatories and that's like really so, the catalyst. so then at its core then isn't the main event for you the catalyst is the hack and then everything else it connects to it because it kind of the hack happens yeah and then the information trickles down to to elliot Yes. And then his life has changed because of it. Because yes. without that attack, nothing would have been kicked into, nothing would have happened. Yes. Like he wouldn't have gone on this journey without that happening. I really should say the the signals um, uh, appearance. Oh, I shouldn't, shouldn't right. Say, shouldn't say hack, but I should say the signal the signal appearing is what really sets everything in motion. And you're right, because like at, at, at its core, that's that is that is the the catalyst, right? But the the scene that really kicks it off is him getting this information from his editor being like, Hey, this got closed down. And I'll tell you what, man, I like your book. Like the, (laughs) the old English major in me, I want to go ahead and like write a paper about your book. (laughs) I I used to love doing that when I was younger, like, you know, in my teens and twenties, you know, sit down and like read a book. And cause that was like all what my undergrad and grad degree was like, read a book, write about a book. I'm going to write, I think I might write a thesis on your book. (laughs) Thank you. Um, the only like little bit of advice that I would give around the catalyst is that I think, at least for the character, maybe not for the world, but for the character, for your protagonist, it needs to be significant enough for them to not be able to go back to their normal world. Yeah. It, it needs to be like they need to be shook enough. I mean, once again, they can want to go back, and that's kind of what leads to the debate, which is the next beat, but they can't be able to. They just they can't. And often, like if you look at um once again, like looking at something like Moana, like she can't go back, like literally physically can't go back. She leaves the island. She's yeah. off on a quest, you know, like your character needs to leave their comfort zone and they can long for it, but there's no going back to it. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like the first two drafts or so of hosts, um, looking back at it and I wasn't using these at all. Yeah. My main character could have just been like, yeah, I'm just gonna go home. <laughs> like, like there was yeah. no, there was, there was nothing there. At least this, like, yeah, I mean, there's an argument he could go back and, but I think it's more of him. He's so. But personally, he couldn't go back. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like. Personally, he can't. That's what I, I mean. Was, you, you think about like, if we're going to talk about Star Wars as I perpetually do, 
Luke can't go back because Aunt Beru, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, they're skeletons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They've been his, murdered by the Empire. His family is literally dead, so there's no going back. <laughs> there's no going back. And yeah, like, yeah, the catalyst is kind of multi-beat. It has a little bit to do with the droid and, you know, going to see Ben and all that mm, stuff. The message from Leia, yep. But he can't go back because there is no more home to go back to. He has yes. no choice. Yeah. It is it is the most cut and dry catalyst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go is... home. Oh wait, my home is destroyed. <laughs> yeah, and, and that all happens. So and that and I mean it's it's a great I mean it's a really good example of, of this catalyst debate too, because when he's talking to Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's like, come with me and we'll, we'll go do this thing. I'm too old for this shit, basically. <laughs> what Obi-Wan says. Yeah. And Luke's like, I can't do this, I can't fight the Empire. What am I gonna do? And that's kind of his debate right there. Yeah. And then really right, it's kind of like combined like in that one, two, three scene beat, and then when he goes home and he finds Find some toasted aunt and uncle. Um, he's like, yeah, they're all really interrelated. And in a way, I right, you're right. Luke's debate happens before the catalyst, right? Or unless, or it happens at the same time, and the catalyst itself is a multi-scene beat for yes. him. Yeah, and like like I said, a lot of these the, how these beats are broken up. It, it, there is no, you don't have to do them in order one, two, three. I mean, obviously, there's some key ones. You, you obviously can't. I mean, can't. I guess maybe you could start off your catalyst, but I don't think he would do that. Like you need to. There is some expectation, I think, from a reader when they start a story yeah you can combine some of these things together and sometimes that'll just happen naturally and kind of totally just fit based on what your the scene itself is so yeah even though they're kind of segmented out by bullets or numbers they're all connected yeah. they can be all be tied into like the same well they're all tied into act one really right there's a nice flow and i mean my first act goes until about my chapter eight i think in my book but that's covering three different characters and really, I get through my main characters, setup, status quo, theme stated, opening image, catalyst and debate in two chapters. I want to say too, right? I'm, I know, right? Objectively, it seems prescriptive. And I know when I was younger, I was like, I'm going to subvert expectations and I'm going <laughs> to write backwards and upside down. I was like so impressed by like House of Leaves, you know, the take on format. But the beats are very present in House of Leaves. Yeah. The reason these beats exist is they do whether they're called different things or maybe they happen in a slightly different order. The reason why they're present in most storytelling is because they're satisfying to an audience. So as much as you want to be like, well, I don't want a huge catalyst or I don't want my character to have a debate. Tried and true, the audience expects it. Even if they don't know they expect it, Yeah, they expect it. Yep. Um, and if you end up dropping some of these bigger ones, especially at first, you may be hurting this transformation of your main, I think. Because honestly, like, I don't want somebody telling me that my character has to debate. I know objectively, I'm like, oh, why do I have to make them hem and haw if it's not happening organically? Yeah. And my answer now, after like writing a book and doing all this research is, is go make it work. Like yeah. somehow make it work because yeah. it's it just won't be as satisfying. Yeah, so like, so the debate, yeah, that's, it's pretty short. It's typically like, a re it's a reaction, right? It's going to be a reaction to the catalyst. It's going to be their reluctance to change or to want to take on this 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 journey. Uh, and the hero with a thousand faces, the hero's journey, it's the refusal to the call. Um, yep. Definitely an important step because, yeah, it shows that that they don't want to go through this, this transformation. Like they're fine with their, their regular life, but circumstances around them won't allow them to keep that normal life without some type of repercussion. So. I mean, that covers like the major beats in, in the first act. So, uh, act one complete act one complete, uh, next stage. Uh, so yeah, next episode we'll, we'll get into act two and all those and all that fun stuff. But, um, 
Well, kind of wrap things up. What do you uh, what have you been watching, reading? So if we're going to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> Ahsoka, you're watching? I really like Ahsoka. Really? I am like um, very impressed. My, my only complaint would be so far is that some of the episodes are a bit short and mm. I wish I was a good enough person to wait until the end of the season to watch it all as a long movie. Um, but I think hour? it falls somewhere in between. Now that like they range between like lately, five, like 50. the first episode and second episode were a bit long, but three and four have been, you know, 38, 39 minutes, 40, okay. 41 minutes around there. Yeah. Um, in, including, I think, like credits and stuff. So they're, they're not super long. Um, but I would rank it so far and we'll see where it goes mm. somewhere. Like if my tier ranking of televised Star Wars is like Andor is like mm-hmm. the feather in the cap. Yep. And up until now, like Mando season one. Yep. I would put Ahsoka probably below Mando one, but above everything else. Oh, that's good. Above that's Mando good. two, above Mando three, well above Boba Fett. Obi-Wan. For live action. Yeah. Um, Star Wars television. It's I think it's wonderful. I think Filoni's killing it. There's like a lot of Kurosawa influence. There's obviously a lot of George Lucas influence. It just feels like measured, patient storytelling. Um, I will say that if you you probably haven't seen Rebels because it's for children. I haven't. But I but it's worth watching. I've heard. I think it's worth watching, Um, especially now, like kind of where they're going. And it's all. If you're looking for like some expanded lore or some more information about the characters um, in in and of itself, I think Rebels is strong storytelling. So it's really cool to see it in live action. Honestly, I've been super impressed. So you uh, you read anything or I'm like spread out over too many things right now. So like I'm barely reading enough of each thing. I'm reading that Tarantino book Hmm. about film. The intro is wonderful because you can see (laughs) like tarantino's open image and like what his catalyst was for turning him into the person that he is today um his youth was filled with um movie watching with his mom and and his mother's boyfriends and exploitation films and you know participatory crowd experiences from a super young age like nine he was seeing some stuff his mother was very very um permissive when it came to what he was watching as long as it was within context so uh super cool how about you? Uh, let's see. For reading wise, I finished the Shards of Earth, the Adrian Tchaikovsky one. Um, overall, I enjoyed it. It's pretty heavy sci-fi, I guess I would say. I don't know if hard. I don't know what the terms. There's so many subgenres, but it's like a good 500 page sci-fi book. You know, um, I will be honest. I, I, I liked a lot of parts of it, and it's part of a trilogy because, of course. And I'm at some point, I'm sure I'll read books two and three, but it was, it was a slog for me. And it was like some parts I'm just like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, but it didn't take away from some of the characters I really liked and like the annoying story and the things that were going on. It's kind of feels like trying to be epic sci-fi space opera, you know, hard sci-fi type of book. So yeah, um, I'm not going to rush back into parts two or three, but I will someday. Um, and I just started um, this freebie from Amazon I've had for a while. It's a uh, crime thriller, uh, Hidden in Snow. I think it's by a Swedish author who's translated to English. Uh, Vivica Sten, I think is her name. Oh, cool. Any good? It seems, it feels very standard crime thriller procedural. It gets into a lot of like the 
daily details of everyone's life, which I don't know how much, I mean, I'll put this out there. It's a 450 page crime thriller, which to me feels like way too much. Cut, cut that down to like 350. Let's move along. Uh, the chapters are really short, like a couple pages and like they're almost like scenes. It's broken out by like a couple, you know, parts in like days. So it's happening over like a week or so. Um, so I guess you kind of have to get into the daily nuances of people. There's a murder and there's parents who are, you know, we keep bouncing back to the parents and like, they're just falling apart. And it's like, okay, I, I know they're falling apart. I get it. Their kid has passed away or been murdered, but um feels like there's a little too much of that. So I think I'm mixed on it right now, but I'm going to be done with it today or tomorrow. So, but just trying to brush up on all the crime thrillers. One correction. I, I, I misspoke about that Tarantino book. It's called Cinema Speculation. Okay. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, and I know why I didn't, because mm. of your hate of Lord of the Rings. Oh, my goodness. And all things Tolkien and oh, Peter Jackson. Oh, my God. You're going you're gonna to have the internet after me. <laughs> all 35 <laughs> listeners. Um, I finished reading Fellowship to my kids, and um, we started up The Two Towers. Is that way? And they made me really. What's that? Is that the name of the book? Fellowship to my kids. Fellowship to my kids. Uh, I finished reading Fellowship of the Ring to my kids, and we watched the movie. And I had a really proud parenting moment because I was like, I am not going to torture them with the extended edition. Thank God. So we sit down and we watch it, and we get to like um, one of the scenes. There's a gift giving scene when they're in Lothlorien. Don't roll your eyes. And um, <laughs> both my kids were like, hey, w- how come, you know, Gimli didn't ask for Galadriel's hair? And w- I was like, oh, that's in the extended edition. They're like, oh, we want to watch the extended edition. Yeah. So we switched midstream <laughs> to the extended edition. And now they're like, we only want to watch the extended editions because it's got more of the book in them. So they're wonderful <sighs> children who they are, are allowing children. me. It's interesting, man. Like there is so much description in the first book. Yeah. And I started reading it just because they would fall asleep to it because there's just so much descriptive, like different kinds of bushes they're walking past and, you know, rocks and rivers and ravines. And it's, it can be a little mind numbing. Yeah. Like it could, it, it can be very like meditative and peaceful if you're in that mood. But if you're like, all right, let's get the story going. It's moving. not the book for you. Yeah. Whereas I think so far Two Towers is like the story's moving. It's yeah. going. Um, all right. So I don't know. Is that it? We're done. We're done here, right? That's it. Yeah. Act one. Act Act one complete. Act one complete. We debated. We catalyst ourselves. We had a catalyst. We had a, yeah. We'll be breaking into two uh, the next episode. So yeah, next episode, we'll get into act two and all the, the beats that are trapped within there. Uh, that is going to be the, the heftier of the episode because there's quite a few. Um, it's yeah, like the meat of, of, of most stories and um it's the meat of all well-structured stories yes act two should (laughs) be the majority of your book it should be uh and is the majority of my book now but it was not the majority of my book during actual or my first draft yeah uh yeah so uh we're gonna get into into the next episode and i think that's it right so thanks for listening uh if you enjoyed it pass along to someone let them know we're on instagram at writer syndrome books uh, we're still on the service formerly known as Twitter, uh, writer, writer underscore syndrome. We're on threads. They're throttling us lately, man. I am not a fan. Yeah, well, the algorithm is not loving us these yeah. days. Well, I don't know. Yeah, fuck them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're on threads, uh, and uh, but you can find all of our episodes and contact info at writersyndrome.com. That's it. Go check it all out. <laughs> <laughs>